morning. I'm so excited to be here with you guys today. It's been a while, and I always love being able to be here at this campus. So I have a question for you, though. And that question is, who do you look like? So do you resemble your mother or your father? So for me, I facially certainly resemble my mother, although I may have inherited some of the attributes of my father in other areas. My kids, we say we have one of each, right? So there is one that looks very much like my husband and one that looks very much like me. Um, but the reality is, as you get to know my children, you'll see that it's really a big mishmash. Because while they may physically resemble one parent or the other, the reality is that their personality characteristics tend to resemble both of us. So some of them, in some cases, they got the best of both of us. And then in other cases, maybe they got the not so best of both of us. So who do you resemble? Your mother or your father? And maybe, maybe you don't have kids, so you haven't seen it that way. But have you noticed that time when you opened your mouth and all of a sudden your mother came out? What the heck happened? The best is when your kids point that out for you. When they're like, all right, Grandpa. What? Is that really what just happened? That thing that we ironically try to avoid so much with our earthly parents is exactly what our goal is with our Heavenly Father. When we choose to walk in the way of Jesus, we are saying that we want to be disciples. We want to be conformed to the image of Christ for the sake of others. We want to look and sound like Jesus. But if you know me, you know that I don't always look and sound like Jesus. When I open my mouth, a lot of the time, it is not Jesus coming out. Which is why I'm really glad that God has given us the promises he has. He tells us in Ezekiel that I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you. I will remove your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit in you and move you to follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. Thank goodness it's not up to me alone, but it's the Holy Spirit in me, that new spirit he gives us that is continually refining, molding, and redeeming me so that I can look and sound more like him. And yet, if someone were to ask me or, or perhaps you about the Holy Spirit, it's most likely the attribute of God that we're less comfortable talking about, right? So if you talk about God the Father, we all kind of have some basic ideas of what that looks like or feels like. And if we talk about Jesus, we can probably give some information on Jesus. But when we start talking about the Holy Spirit, we get a little more ambiguous. It, it, lives in us and it's you know it it does stuff and it's good but ironically it's the most intimate of the relationship lives in us and yet we struggle 
to define and understand it, perhaps the most of all. Which is one of the reasons why when we've been talking about following the way, we have been working very hard to make sure we talk about the Holy Spirit. We've been spending the last few weeks on it. So basic review of what we know about the Holy Spirit. We know that he was promised to us. We know that when we decide to follow the way of Jesus, we receive the Holy Spirit. John tells us, if you love me and follow my commands, I will ask the Father and he will give you another advocate to help you. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him. For he lives within you and will be in you. Emmanuel, God with us. And perhaps this is one of the reasons why it is indeed so hard for us to define, to explain our relationship. Because in the world around us, we have nothing with which to compare it. We understand a father, we understand a son, but the Holy Spirit is a concept we don't see. We don't tangibly put our hands on. But we know he dwells in us. He is always with us, always there to help us. We read in Ephesians that he anointed us and set his seal of ownership on us and put his spirit in our hearts as a deposit, guaranteeing what is to come. So we know that God gave us his spirit and that it helps us, that it molds us, that it leads us, and it is a seal or a stamp on us to say whom we belong, who we belong to. All right, so this is an absolutely terrible analogy. And I know you're not supposed to preface analogies by telling you that it's terrible, but it really is. So don't look too deep at it, but take it for what it is. We all have cell phones, right? And you know on your cell phone, up in the corner where you have the bars, it has the carrier name, right? So if you're AT&T or Verizon or T-Mobile, it says it up there. It says who your service is provided by, right? Okay, so we're the phone, and the Holy Spirit is AT&T, right? So it's our provider. It's in there. It's given us the power. It's there. We know that that provider is where we go if we come into a problem, right? So if our phone won't work right, we go to AT&T and we say, hey, my phone won't work right and they fix it. It's time for an upgrade? We go to AT&T and say it's time for an upgrade, right? So that is a service provider, and we know ultimately if there's a problem, that's who's there with us. But on the day-to-day -day basis, I'm not really checking to see, hey, it says AT&T. Hey, it says AT&T. No, I'm looking to see how many bars I have. I need to know if I can do what I need to do with my phone, right? And that's what it's about. We need to know that we have the connection to enable us to do. Paul continues speaking. When I think of all of this, I fall to my knees and I pray to the Father, the creator of everything in heaven and on earth. 
I pray that from his glorious, unlimited resources, he will empower you with the inner strength through his spirit. Then Christ will make his home in your hearts as you trust in him. And your roots will grow down into God's love and keep you strong. Oh, man, I mean, that's it, right? That's living the four-bar life. That's being fully plugged in. A life filled with the Holy Spirit. One where we have his unlimited resources at our disposal. One where our roots are deep and firm in his love. One where we are strong because of the spirit that is in us. And when we are fully plugged in and when we are operating on four bars, we are able to use all of the resources that God has put before us. Our gifts, our talents. We can see the potential in everything we encounter to know God better and to share God fully. Paul continues again. And may you have the power to understand as all God's people should, how wide, how long, how high, and how deep his love is. May you experience the love of Christ, though it is too great to understand fully. Then you will be made complete with all the fullness of life and the power that comes from God. Paul kind of takes a breath here. And it's good because, let's be honest, there was a lot that he just said. He recognizes that we need God's power to be able to understand the depths of God's love. That no matter how long we may have been walking with him, we have just scratched the surface of how much he loves us. We know that God has called us into relationship with him, that we might fully experience his love, and that through that, even though it's too great to understand, through that, we find the fullness and abundance of life that God has promised. And that's what we've been talking about all fall. That's why we've been talking about the way. Because we believe that God has called us into relationship with Jesus, and through that, he has given us the Bible, his holy word, and the Holy Spirit to guide us so that we may walk in the way of truth, and that we might have a full and abundant life as God wants us to, knowing him in relationship with him. And then Paul goes on to close out his prayer for us. And he says, Now all glory to God who is able, through his mighty power at work within us, to accomplish infinitely more than we might ask or think. 
glory to him in the church and in Christ Jesus through all generations forever and ever. Amen. And we might glance over this quickly because really it just seems like kind of a nice closing prayer. But something jumped out at me. It's the phrase, God who is able through his mighty power at work within us to accomplish infinitely more than we might ask or think. This jumped out at me for two reasons. The first is because I'm a little bit of a control freak. And so any time I hear the Bible telling me, hey, guess what? I might know more than you. I know I need to listen. Because so often, I really feel like I know the best way to solve a problem or to approach a situation. And so, so often, when I am asking God for things, I'm really telling God, hey, I think you should sort this out this way, okay? And this is a reminder to me that God is saying, no, no. I am going to do infinitely more than you could ask or imagine. His way is so much better than my way. And the second thing that jumped out at me when I read this was the fact that he tells us that we might ask. And that makes me think of all the other times throughout the Bible we're instructed to ask for things. You know, James tells us that if we ask, for wisdom, we will receive it. And he ask, tells us again later in James that anything we ask for, when we ask with the right motivations, God will grant. And Jesus tells us in Luke, So I say to you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. The one who seeks, finds. And the one who knocks, the door will be opened. So I had to stop and ask myself, am I asking? I mean, certainly I'm asking God to fix situations or to lead here or there, but am I really, truly asking the Spirit to move and do a mighty change within me? Rick gave us some great questions to think about last week, right? Kind of a self-inventory, he described it as. And uh, he asked us questions like, you know, do I love those who disagree with me? Do I have joy in all circumstances? Am I patient with those with whom I disagree? What does supernatural goodness look like in me? Am I faith-filled? Am I gentle? Do I have self-control? All of these things that we know are fruits of the Spirit. That we can kind of check ourselves and say, all right, Lord, am I seeing these things materialize in my life? And that can be a scary reflection to do. But he followed it up with something so crucial. He reminded us that these things don't happen because we try harder. No. 
They come to be because we allow the spirit room to work. And I love this because it is so true. He gave some great examples of ways that we can make room for the Spirit to work. He had talked about joining a small group or starting to read our Bibles more. He talked about serving in different positions inside and outside of the church. He talked about perhaps stretching ourselves in ways that might be outside of our comfort zone where we would have to rely on the Holy Spirit. So I want to encourage us to start asking him than us. And that's going to look differently for everyone. But for me, often what it can look like is before I walk into a meeting or a lunch or a conversation with someone, I may be asking, all right, Lord, Heavenly Father, Spirit, just guide me. What do I need to hear today? Is there someone I need to talk to? Where can I bring peace or joy or love where I can see it's absent or hurting? And when we start to ask these questions, when we start to ask the Holy Spirit to show us, to guide us in situations, we walk into them with different eyes. Suddenly, we're looking for different things in that particular gathering. We're listening for that small, still voice, that holy nudge, if you will. Maybe you've experienced this before. Maybe it's that name that keeps coming to mind, that person that maybe you haven't spoken to for a while, and you just feel like, you know what, I need to give them a call or shoot them an email. Maybe it's that kind word you just feel like you need to tell that person who's ringing up your, your, your groceries, even though you really don't know them, but you feel like, I just am supposed to give them a kind word right now. Or maybe you've been on the receiving end, that phone call that comes at just the right time, that offer to get together for lunch when you felt really alone. Those holy nudges that enable us to see and feel God through others. Recently, um, a friend of mine, she just had a baby, and uh, the baby's about one month old. And so she and her mother-in-law and the baby had been out shopping, and um, they were finished, and it was around rush hour, and they loaded the baby in the car and sat down, and she plugged in you know, the address on Waze and um, saw that Waze was taking her a different way. And she just felt like, gosh, I am. I'm not supposed to be driving right now. Just not supposed to be driving. And she didn't really understand why. But she's like, Mom, would would you mind driving this instead? Mom was fine with that. And so they switched seats and, and headed off on their way. And before long, as they were driving down the highway, a pickup truck crossed the median and flipped, landing upside And there were two things happening here. One, she felt like that delay of switching seats had been just enough to keep them safe. But the second was, she's a nurse. She was the first responder on the scene, able to immediately get to the pickup truck and attend to him, give him first aid, 
and he was ultimately able to walk away from that crash. That nudge. They could have missed it completely. They could have been in the midst of it. But that nudge had them positioned where they needed to be. And perhaps you've heard stories like that, or maybe you've even lived through stories like that. Times when that nudge, that still small voice, just guided you in the right direction. Sometimes we hear that still small voice, and we don't necessarily follow it. When, um, when my oldest daughter was young, um, when she was three to be specific, she was a little bit of a terror. Um, and I'm not kidding. Like, she was all out terror. Like, she missed her own three-year-old birthday party because she locked herself in her room and wouldn't come out. So, yeah, we sung happy birthday to Adora Cake without her. Yeah. And I'm so not even exaggerating. <laughs> it was rough. Three was a rough year. And, um, and Hope did not have a preschool yet, so she was going to a different preschool. And this one particular day, I was packing the baby up, and I was getting her all ready, which was a feat in and of itself. Um, I rarely left the house not in tears during those days. And I can remember getting everything together, and then we, I realized, oh, man, it's, it's the, the letter of the day, and the letter of the day is M, and, and I've got to get an object that's an M. And I don't even remember. I'm pretty sure I just grabbed a magnet off the fridge, and that was going to be our M thing. And we're getting ready to get out the door, and I hear in my gut, grab another one. Grab another M. I'm like, grab I don't have time to grab another N. Are you kidding me? Why would I grab another N? That's absolutely ridiculous. I'm not grabbing another M. And she starts to melt down, and, but that's it. We're up. I'm picking her up. I got the baby. We're out the door and going. Later that day, we're standing in line right in front, getting ready to go into the um, classrooms. And everybody's supposed to pull out their M so that when they come in, they can present their M to their teacher. And the little girl next to me, you can see her eyes get all big. And her jaw just starts to drop. And you can see the lip go, Mommy, we don't have an M. And Mom is frantically digging through her purse, trying to find something that would start with an M, and the tears, I'm crying. <laughs> like, oh, crumb, that was the other M. If only I had listened. Now, don't get me wrong. That 16-year-old little girl probably doesn't even remember that she didn't have an M that day. This was not a life and death situation, but it was an opportunity for me to be obedient and for me to make their life a little bit easier that day. To be able to minister and even just to say, you know what? Something told me I was supposed to bring this. This must be for you. An opportunity to share God's provision with them. So don't get me wrong. Discerning the voice of God is not easy. Listening to the Holy Spirit's prompting doesn't always come naturally. It's something that we have to work at. And I'm not going to lie to you. Every little voice you hear is not always the Holy Spirit. And that's why he gave us the Bible. Because when we are trying to figure out, is this the voice of God? Is this not the voice of God? He's given us some tools along the way. He's given us people who have been on this path longer than we have. And he's given us the Bible. And I'll give you a hint. He's not going to ever prompt you to do something that goes directly against what we're supposed to do in the Bible. 
He's not going to counteract that. So if you're walking along and you're happily married and you think, mm, God may be calling me to love that person over there, probably not. Or if you're walking through the store and you see that really great gadget and you know that God wants you to be happy and that gadget is going to make you happy, it's probably not the voice of God. Or that really challenging person in your life, the one that just gets under your skin and you suddenly feel like God's there, it's probably not the Holy Spirit. But he might be speaking to you differently in each of those situations. He might be telling you, you need to invest in your marriage. Figure out how to love your spouse differently so that it is fresh and exciting again. He might be calling you to examine why it is that these material possessions are the things bringing you so much joy. He may be calling you to love what seems unlovable in a new way. Or to set some healthy boundaries in a relationship that's been toxic. These are the things that we come together in community to learn and grow and refine each other. And you know what? They sound a lot like what Rick was talking about last week. That harder choice. That thing that's going to cause us to rely on God. Because you know what? That's a lot harder than the easy way. This is going to require us trusting in God. Walking with others. Depending on him. And it is so important that we continue to listen for those holy nudges. Because the more we ignore them, or the more that we choose what we want rather than what God wants, the harder they get to hear. Bit of as walking away from the cell tower. Your service provider is still there, but you're down to one or two bars. And I don't know about you, but one or two bars, my phone's not doing a whole lot. When we're at one or two bars, we're not functioning the way we're meant to be. We're not living the fullness of life the way God has called us to. But the good news is, even when we find ourselves having wandered, not picked up that extra M, we find ourselves down in one or two bars. God doesn't leave us there. It's not the life God called for us. And he is a God of mercy and of grace. And all we have to do is recognize it and walk back towards the tower. Say, all right, God. I'm ready to listen. And I'm asking you to speak. Because we have a God who loves us so much, he sent his son as a baby to walk with us, to teach us, ultimately to die for us. And when he had conquered death, he promised us an advocate, a helper, Emmanuel, God with us. Will you stand with me as we pray?
Heavenly Father, thank you. Thank you, God, that you have not left us. Lord God, that you are with us, that you are in us, that, Lord, all we need to do is ask. And that you promise, Lord, to be faithful. God, forgive us when we wander away, when we get distracted by shiny objects and by our own desires. And instead, Lord, turn us back to you. Because truly, your way is better than anything we could ask or imagine. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Go this week knowing that you have a God who will never leave you or forsake you.